0: As Father, we're here to declare the testimonies of your power and work in our hearts and lives. And now as we open up your word, we ask you, Spirit of God, come boldly into this place and fill our hearts. We gather together to testify of your resurrection and the power at work in our lives today and in our futures, Lord. And as we consider what you have for us today, Lord, may we be open to your Spirit's leading. We pray this. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Good morning. good morning. Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day. Good to be with you. You guys look good? You look decent? Is that better? You guys look great? That's better. He's risen. He's risen indeed. We keep saying that over and over again. You know, I was thinking back at the history of our our church, and uh, I was doing a little bit of research on it as well, and and I wonder if you know this, it was actually in 1953, kids, that's a few years ago, (laughs) I was born just a couple of years later, (laughs) no, anyway, 1953, it was on 1953 on Easter Sunday that The congregation gathered here on this campus, in this place, on this property for the first time. Isn't that cool? 1953. That's (laughs) worth clapping about. It was actually established in 1949 in South Minneapolis, and so they had been going for a few years. It was in 51 that they made it official, and so this fall we'll be celebrating 70 years at Emmaus, 1951. That's also (laughs) worth celebrating. But I was thinking about this. I was looking back because as we are looking at the vision and what's ahead for us and our future, I am assured of this, that God has been doing something for a lot of years. Amen? And yet, what is ahead is so much greater. Why? Because eternity is ahead for all of us. And I just think to myself, if our future is in His hands, then we are all good. Seriously, then we are good. I'm so glad it's not in your hands. (laughs) And I think you're glad it's not in my hands, but it's in his hands. Amen? And so as we think about that today, I want to talk about something that's found in Luke chapter 24. It's called the road to Emmaus. It's where we got our name, Luke 24, and I would be encouraged if you would follow along. We'll also have it up here on the Sky Bible, I'm going to call it. But first, I'm going to start in verse 1, because today I want to talk about expectations. Expectations. Those things that we all have about life, about this time in our future, uh, you had expectations when you came in for Easter, what things should look like, what they might look like, what you hoped they would look like, expectations. They might be high, they might be low, they might be good, they might be bad, but we all have them. You agree? Yes. Two of you? <laughs> expectations. Let me ask you this question. What are your expectations of God on a daily basis? I mean, it's Easter, so you might, if we put it on a spectrum, maybe, you might have them like that high, it's Easter, but then maybe you get home and the ham's not cooked right and they lower a little bit. Or maybe you go through some hardship. Maybe this year has been one in which you have tried to protect yourself. We do that, don't we? And so rather than get our hopes up too high, we lower our expectations because we don't want to be let down. I want to talk about that today. I want to go to God's Word and look at Luke chapter 24. It begins this way, and then we'll get to the main section that we're looking at. It begins this way, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, that is the women who were going to embalm the body as was the custom. And then it says this, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, we don't know exactly what they knew or didn't know but did they know that there was a stone in front? We don't really know that, but we don't know what to expect. But we know that they possibly knew that there was some soldiers there, and maybe they would see them in distress and help them roll the stone away so that they could go about the custom and balm the body of the Lord Jesus, who had just been crucified and put in the tomb. And he had been sitting there for three days. It says, verse 2 again, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. For that we say, praise the Lord. While they were perplexed, like confused, it says, Behold, two men stood there in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their face to the ground, why, because it was so bright maybe, the, the men said to them, this is a great question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Now they go and they testify and and then we get to this point here in the day. Again, Resurrection Sunday. It says, that very day. Look with me at verse 13. That very day, two of them, these weren't the the 12 disciples, but two that had been following Jesus. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Yeah. If you wondered how to say that, it's not Emus. It's Emmaus. And it comes from this section of Scripture. Emmaus. About seven miles from Jerusalem. By the way, I've been there. It is This village, about seven miles from Jerusalem, speaking of the accuracy of the scriptures, and they're just uncovering it now and excavating an area where they've discovered the village of Emmaus. Anyway, it says "And they were talking, these two disciples, with each other about all these things. I mean, the things that had just gone on over the weekend after Passover and what happened to Jesus. While they were talking and discussing together, it says, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So he comes along on the path with them, but they don't know it's him. I love that. And he said to them, just like Jesus would as he engages us, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk as if he didn't know? And they stood still looking sad. Now, you you might not see it in the English here, but in its original context, in the Koine Greek, there's really strong language being used here. In fact, the section of Scripture opens with behold, like take notice, consider this story. And what we believe is that Luke here was trying to get our attention by way of pointing to what was going on in these two disciples' hearts and lives. Like they're running from Jerusalem, dejected, questioning what on earth is going on. And we see this later on in the story. They're perplexed. They're saddened. They don't know what to think about what's going on. They're confused. They're filled with doubt. They're frustrated. But then it says this in verse 18. Look there with me. Then one of them, named Cleopas, I'll call him Cleo, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem, this is him answering Jesus, who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Like, have you been hiding under a rock? And then Jesus says, look at this, what things? He just keeps at it. And they said to him, Oh, oh uh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet. Might Notice they call him prophet. Only prophet. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped. Don't miss that past tense there. We had hoped. That he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things had happened. Now, the only reason you would say we had hoped is if you had certain expectations of how God was going to redeem Think about that for a second. It's all about expectations, presumptions. When things don't go the way we picture them, what happens? We lose hope. We lose trust. We question our circumstances. We question the outcome. In fact, sometimes we lower our expectations just so we don't get disappointed. Have you ever sat down and given serious thought to your expectations of God? I just want you to think about that for a second because This was them in retreat. And so many times in life, we are the same. As they were retreating, though, I want us to consider this first and foremost, Jesus met them on the road where they were going. I just want us to understand, practically speaking, Jesus is meeting us here today where we're at, even if we're in retreat want you to hear that even if you're in retreat even if you're withdrawn even if you step back even if you've taken a nap spiritually even if you have questions and doubts struggles pain and frustration Jesus will meet you here where you're at you know of all the things that Jesus could have done post-resurrection he had a pretty busy schedule my guess all the things in the short time before his ascension that he, could have be do- that he could have been doing, excuse me. And yet, what does he choose to do on the day he rises from the dead? He chooses to walk seven miles with two people. What does that tell you about who Jesus is? I mean, think about that just for a moment. He chooses to walk seven miles with just two people who are questioning, who are doubting. Think about that. Now, there's a lot to the story, so I'm going to continue. But as we ponder that, oh, that we would rest in the hope that Jesus has something for each one of us, that his resurrection has made a way to the Father by his great love, and we must personalize that. Verse 22, look there with me. Moreover, it says there's more. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us, They were at the tomb earlier in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. Think about that response just for a second, oh foolish ones. Where do we know this from? It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. Luke has a theme here in his gospel. He closes that story by saying, If they do not believe the law of Moses and the prophets, then even the miraculous resurrection they will not believe with their own eyes. Isn't it interesting that we live in a culture that says, You're crazy if you believe in the miraculous. And what Jesus is telling them is the exact opposite. You're crazy not to believe in the miraculous. And why is that? Because if Jesus rose from the dead... If Jesus rose from the dead, then what could stop our God from anything else? If He had victory over death, the greatest of enemies, then nothing can stop our God. For He is an all-powerful and transcendent God. That's why He says, "Oh, foolish ones." He's not name-calling here. Is why He also says next, "Oh, and slow of heart." It means. It actually means dull. He means. You're dull. (laughs) Think about that. Which means, just so we understand it, you're not sharp. You're not ready. You're sleeping. You're napping. You're not awake to the truth. Did anyone have to set an alarm for Easter Sunday, by the way? I didn't. I'm just kidding. I set an alarm. (laughs) Are you awake today, though? I hope you are. I hope we're taking this message in. I hope we're awakened to what Jesus is saying even to us. Oh, that we would not be dull, but sharp and ready, not sleeping and napping, but awake to the truth. See, here's the thing. Here's what Jesus was telling them. See, most of us understand belief to be based on intellectual assent. We associate belief with facts and figures and science, and that's normal. That's who we are. But Jesus tells us here that the problem with unbelief, and I'm talking about unbelief here, is not intellectual questions we may have towards him or his word, but rather what he's saying is you have a heart problem. It's not your questions. It's a heart problem. He's telling us what really keeps us from him. It's not your questions. It's your heart. It's a heart that says, I want to hang on to my sin I like my sin. I don't want to be close to God. He might tell me to do something that I don't want to do. It's fear. Slow of heart. Another way of saying it is that we like it our way, and so we have certain expectations of the way things should be. See, when we find ourselves disappointed with life, it's not because something in life has failed us. Rather, our expectations of life let us down because it's not the way we pictured them to be. It's kind of the same here. When we find ourselves disappointed with God, it's not God who has failed us, what we just sang, But it's our expectations of God that have not been in line with what He has expecting of us maybe this year it's been filled with disappointment it's filled with challenge and frustration pain and even loss it's been a difficult year somebody agree with me on that (laughs) the problem with unbelief though is not our questions it's the unrest deep down inside and Jesus is willing to walk seven miles with us and seven more if we need it and I'm so grateful for that because I would have needed seven more so grateful for that. Look what Jesus says next. Understand this. He doesn't fit. We don't fit him into our plan. <laughs> we fit into his plan. Look look at verse 26 with me. It says, was it not necessary that, that the Christ should suffer? Now he's responding to them. Was it not Necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Who? Himself. He pointed all of the prophecies of the Old Testament to himself. It all was about him. He was no mere prophet he was Messiah Jesus. He was Messiah Jesus. Notice what he says. Was it not necessary that Jesus had to suffer? See, there's contention with these two because of the preconceived expectations of the way things should have been according to their plan, according to what they thought. And what they thought was it didn't include the cross. It couldn't include suffering it it couldn't include shed blood see we we are like that we don't like suffering it's not part of our plan would you agree right we don't like it we say God how, how could you do this how could you be a good God and and allow this right that's how we think but think of it this way Without the suffering, without the shed blood, there is no resurrection. So think about this for a moment. It's only in that that we realize our need. See, that was the problem. They had no room for the cross because they could not understand their need for his shed blood. See, Messiah came to offer them spiritual liberation. Not momentary, physical, or political liberation. And that's good too. We want that too. But that is not lasting for its spiritual healing and forgiveness that we need most because that is what is eternal. This is why Jesus had to go to the cross. It's why he had to pay the price because we couldn't pay it ourselves. Only he could make an atonement. Only he was the perfect, spotless lamb of God. See, our way or our expectations, they can't bring victory. See, the people in Jesus' day, they wanted political saving. They wanted a political king to save them from the oppression of the Romans, but that would not heal their broken hearts. Only Jesus could do that. It's, it's true for them, and it's true for us today. Only Jesus can bring victory. True healing. See, the essence of the gospel and the purpose for what we're celebrating today is found in the truth that he is alive and he is at work. And may we never miss the point. This is no religious thing. No, only Jesus can save because he is the only one who has conquered sin and death. No other can deliver you. None other can take his place. Not your stuff, not your job, not anything the world offers you offers you no political policy, no human strength or security, no human effort, not being a better person, no human plan or force. Only Jesus offers us lasting and eternal healing because only he has risen from the grave and conquered the great enemy. That's why we sing. That's why we rejoice. It's why we testify. It's also why we need daily awakening. Like our eyes open to what God is doing. Look on with me at verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if he were going further. That's so great. He was just like pretending like he was just going to continue on. Even though he had every intention of going in. But he wanted them to respond. So he keeps going and... Then they say, hey, 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 it's been a long walk. I mean, you do the math, maybe 18 to 22-minute miles. If they're walking, they would have been in decent shape. I haven't done the math, but. (laughs) And they're like, hey, why don't you stay with us? It says in verse 29, they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's towards evening. It would have been dangerous to continue on the road. So he went in and stayed with them. That's Jesus. Jesus. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. It was at Emmaus that they were awakened. It was at Emmaus. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? I love that. You know, it's through the revelation of the word of God and only through the revelation of the word of God and spirit and the fellowship of communion with Jesus that reveals the truth to our hearts. That's why our name, church, is Emmaus. Have you ever thought about this? Don't worry, I'll tell you. Have you ever thought about this? You don't know you were asleep until you wake up. Yeah? I was complaining the other day to my wife. I don't do that much. Because I had a fitful night of sleep. And and I was saying to her, and I that was the worst night of sleep ever. It was like, I was up from like 2.30 till 6.30 and then I had to get up at 6.30 and I'm telling her this and she said, that's funny because I was up from four till five and you were snoring. (laughs) Or have you ever been like on the couch and someone's like, hey, hey, hey. You, you were sleeping. You're like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> it's like that, spiritually, too, of our expectations of an all-powerful, transcendent God who has sent His Son to conquer sin and death. You don't know how low your expectations, you don't know how low your expectations are of God until you've experienced His supernatural saving grace. The question for us is, do we believe that He's working in more ways than we know and in ways we cannot see? What I mean is this. When our expectations of Jesus are grounded in our circumstances, world and its problems, and it's going to happen. All the things the world is telling us, by the way, which, by the way, we're really good at following, that really influence us a whole lot more than we think. Well, if that's the case, then our expectations will be small. They will, in the end, be inconsequential. However, if our expectations of God are grounded in His Word and in the Spirit that leads us, then we will understand God is doing so much more than we know. And he proves this in his resurrection. That the God who had victory over death can do anything according to his plan. We need to wake up to the power of this truth in our lives. That he can do anything and accomplish anything in his plan. He holds our future in his hands. And look what it did for these two disciples. Look back at the text with me in verse 33 where it goes on to say, and they rose that same hour. They had just walked seven miles, gotten back to the place that they were staying. They ate a little bit of bread, that's it. And then it says, they rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened to them on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. In other words, what they did was they walked in the house, and they're like, you'll never guess what happened to us. That's the people in the house, and they're saying, no, 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 you'll never guess what happened to us. (laughs) That's so awesome. And they testified. Their response was exactly what the true gospel will do in our hearts. They ran back to testify of what they had experienced in Christ. It's a picture of the church. That we would be with Jesus. That we would go out. That we would be his, like we say, his hands and feet. And we would come back into this place. And we would testify of what he is doing in our hearts What a beautiful picture of the church. See, God is always working and always doing something, and it's going to take time. Not everything happens overnight. And it's not going to be easy. Just look at 2020 and 2021, right? But if Jesus is alive, we have a story to tell that the essence of the gospel is Jesus, and we're called to share the good news of the risen Christ. Can I get an amen for that, right? Acts 4.33, I'm almost done, don't worry. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerful. It was at work in them all. It actually goes on to talk about how he met every need. It's one of God's great names, Jehovah Jireh, the Hebrew name for God being provider. Here's the question for us as we close and then get into very quickly just some very practical things. Do we live like Jesus is alive? Awakened to his work, walking with him in his word. I don't wanna be the guy and we don't wanna be the church that knows all the stuff and has heard all that needs to be heard but does not recognize the real Jesus when he's walking with us on the road and speaking to us. But rather, I want to walk in the revelation of God, just as Isaiah 60, verse 1, prophesied hundreds of years before he came. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon, what does it say? You. 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 Not your friend, not the pastor. You. You. Expecting bigger things from a really big God is important, church. And let me just leave you with this very, very, very practical closing three things. Number one, be willing to pray that God would realign your expectations to his word And His will. Let me say it again. Be willing, even this morning, to pray that God would realign our expectations to His Word and His will. I mean, if you have little to no expectation of what God is doing in your life. You must not be reading the Bible and you must not be praying for anything that is worth anything substantial. Because praying little tiny things with no expectation means we're spiritual infants and not mature spiritual adults. We're not to lower our expectations of a risen Lord, they're to grow. Secondly, be willing, same theme to submit areas of your life that need surrender to God. What I mean by that is rather than only praying for safety and security and health, all important things, pray that God would open your eyes to what he wants to do through you. And third, be willing to pray expectantly that God is going to move your heart. Do you know how he starts a work in a church in a, in a nation that's broken, in a world that is in desperate need of a Savior. He starts that work in each one of us individually. Pray, Lord Jesus, open my eyes to what you're doing in my heart as you would cause me to be more Christ-like and holy, that you would awaken my heart to begin to see what it is that you're doing in my midst so that I can be a part of what you're doing for your kingdom in this world. That, I pray, is your prayer this Easter Sunday. Would you stand with me as we respond to what he is doing, and would you bow your heads as we reverently ask God to do that work in us, Heavenly Father, as you would awaken us to being more and more like you and setting us apart as holy vessels to be used by you, may we not nap or sleep our way through life with little or no expectations of what you're already doing. But rather, Lord Jesus, may we expectantly pray that you would guide us and you would lead us and you would direct us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.